Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Breaking details tonight of some disturbing allegations against a taxi driver in West Vancouver. The accused now facing charges of sexual assault involving one of his fares. Ramina Dea has more on what we're learning about the allegations and the driver's connection to a temple in Abbotsford. 60-year-old Deepak Sharma of Abbotsford made his first court appearance in North Vancouver on Wednesday. Sharma, a cab driver for North Shore Taxi, is facing one count of sexual assault in connection to one of his passengers. What's going through your mind? I'm a lot. I'm shaking, so... The alleged victim, who cannot be identified, tells Global News she can't talk about the investigation. Police confirm the incident happened in West Vancouver just before 1 a.m. on January 2nd. Police say the victim alleges she was grabbed in the genital area by the suspect before he took her hand and forcibly placed it in his genital area, which had been exposed through an open zipper. The alleged victim says she was alone in the taxi waiting for her friend. You said you wanted to get a message out there tonight. What is that? Um, to just be careful, you know, like watch yourself, make sure, you know, you always have somebody with you. Sharma is the president of the Hindu temple in Abbotsford. A spokesperson tells Global News Sharma plans to resign. Ashik Sharma, no relation, says the society has known Sharma for 18 years and members believe the allegations are a fabrication. Deepak Sharma has since surrendered his taxi permit. North Shore Taxi is not commenting because the case is before the courts. Sharma was released on conditions. He's due back in court on March 20th. Romina Dea, Global News. Now to a serious and shocking incident at UBC. A woman is recovering in hospital tonight, attacked with a weapon when she tried to intervene in an altercation between a man and a woman on campus. Jill Bennett is live tonight with more on what we're learning about this assault. And Jill, uh, what's the update, if you have one, on the Good Samaritan now? Well, Chris, we know she was taken to hospital yesterday with serious but not life-threatening injuries. Uh, It's believed the weapon used was a knife, but police are not confirming that at this point. The good news is she is expected to make a full recovery. This was the scene Thursday evening at the Center for Advanced Wood Processing on campus. UBC RCMP descending on the building after a woman was injured while intervening in an altercation between a man and a woman in the basement of the building. Um, you know, it's terrible. Um, all I heard is that she was uh, attacked and it sustained some minor injuries. The woman who intervened was taken to hospital with serious injuries, but the other two people involved both took off, according to RCMP. It's unclear if that woman was injured. 
While the investigation continues, security on campus has been increased. UBC is really committed to the safety and security of our staff, faculty and students and so we would urge anybody that has any information to please contact the RCMP and to support that investigation and to be vigilant for anything that's suspicious. I know a rough description of the person, Asian guy, black jacket, white shoes. Uh, other than that, you know, it's just really disappointing that something like this would happen on campus. RCMP have released a description of the suspect. He's an Asian male, mid-20s, about six feet tall, with dark eyes and a square face and short, dark hair. RCMP also say he has a deep voice with a slight accent. He could also have scratches on the right side of his face and neck. Now, RCMP say solving this crime is their top priority at the moment. They're also asking for anybody who might have witnessed the altercation or has any information about it to contact them. As for the campus, there is that increased security. Otherwise, though, it's business as usual. Chris? All right, Jill. Thanks very much. Hard to believe with that shot that spring is less than two weeks away. Another blast of snow blankets parts of Metro Vancouver overnight, causing all kinds of chaos. And while the forecast did call for pockets of snow, what some saw at higher elevations was way beyond what anyone expected, wreaking havoc on the roads. Jordan Armstrong has a closer look at who got hit hardest and how they reacted. Blue sky and palm trees in Kitsilano. What a difference from Coquitlam. Heavy snow, yeah. Too hard to shovel. I would clear this area. Yeah. And by the time I was done, there'd be a, another inch of snow. People on Westwood Plateau waking up to more than a foot of snow Friday morning. Yeah, you guys are getting used to this. Yeah, getting tired of it. <sighs> An exhausting, slow commute on the Portman Bridge with several crashes and drivers forced to dodge snow bombs falling from the bridge cables. Uh, it seems like nobody's worked on the highway as yet. The Ministry of Transportation says crews were in place as of 5 a.m. to clear the cables, but clearly they were caught off guard by the amount. The storm a tough one for forecasters to predict. While much of the lower mainland saw a clear sky, several intense cells similar to thunderstorms brought a lot of snow to a small area in a short period of time. Whistler all the way down to uh, the upper levels, it was awesome. The lower mainland here is crazy. Back in Coquitlam, there's been so much snow recently, it's almost time for a new shovel. That's how worn out it is. No kidding. <laughs> That's living up here. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. You know it's bad when they're wearing out the shovels. Okay, meteorologist, uh, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now. Some of these snowfall totals are astonishing, Christy. They really are. The Coquitlam sort of Westwood Plateau area really getting the brunt of this. 45 centimeters in the Coquitlam region in the last two days. Westwood Plateau, higher elevation. Uh, so at about 300 meters, they saw um, 60 centimeters of snow. But it really was quite localized. But other areas, Port Moody, Maple Ridge getting close to 20. Keep in mind, these areas here away from that sort of localized area did see precipitation, but 
but it was far wetter. When it gets wet, you get far less accumulation. So uh, zero centimeters in a lot of those areas. But here's a look at what they dealt with. This was Wednesday in Westwood Plateau versus today. Can you see that little bird feeder off in the distance? You can barely see it there. So pretty astonishing for sure for those areas. This is the scene out there right now. Clear skies, lots to look forward to. I'll show you who will reach double digits this weekend. All right, look forward to that. Thanks, Christy. A close call in Kamloops this afternoon for a man and his dog. Fire crews rushing to Pioneer Park where a man fell through the ice on the South Thompson River. It's believed the man was trying to retrieve one of his two dogs, which had fallen into the water as well. By the time crews arrived, the man had already been pulled out with help from some of the bystanders. He was treated for hypothermia and his dog was also saved. Fire Rescue says this is another reminder to be careful around the river and never attempt to rescue pets alone. Well, if you weren't frustrated before with the long delays bringing ride hailing to BC, there's yet another speed bump along the way. Cater, a made in BC app that was supposed to go live last month working in uh, conjunction with the Vancouver Taxi Association has failed to launch. Aaron MacArthur explains what's believed to be behind the delay. It's a busy weekend in Vancouver. Good luck finding a cab. The public's demand for ride hailing has never been louder. And yet BC is still months away from Uber or Lyft. We need to allow companies like Uber and Lyft into the market uh, to ensure that we have transportation choices. While the public waits, the Made in BC solution, Cater, that was supposed to ease some of the congestion, isn't even off the website. No app, no cars, no service. The company says it's still developing its technology, but critics say it's the wrong solution. What this does is bring some sort of kind of weird ride-hailing system, but it keeps out competition. Competition is what's going to make it better. Judging by the website, Cater can't even find enough drivers, offering thousands in incentives. One of the key issues facing ride-hailing in B.C. is the government's demand that potential drivers have a Class 4 license. For ride-hailing to work, you need a wide pool of drivers. That's why a Class 5 plus, which means you know safety standards and uh, a criminal record check, would work just fine. The minute you add Class 4, you reduce your pool of drivers. In a written statement, the government stands behind its decision, saying people need to know a driver has a clean record, pointing out... Alberta and Quebec both require commercial class licenses. I think we've waited long enough. You know, let's get it done uh, and then learn from it uh, afterwards. Once ICBC creates an insurance platform, ride hailing can go forward. The expectation is that the major companies will be on the road by fall. Cater was already supposed to be operating. No word on when that will happen. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Good news today for anyone who's ever been stuck behind a fender bender for hours. From now on, police will be able to clear minor accidents a lot quicker, keeping the flow of traffic going. Up until now, officers who attend the scene had to complete a written report before any vehicles could be removed from the road. But today, the province increased the damage threshold from $1,000, allowing people and police to move vehicles out of the way without delay. What we've done is we've changed the limit at which police are attending, uh, if there's no, no, in, no uh, injuries, for example, to a threshold of $10,000. So that should significantly assist in the clearing time of vehicles from accidents. 
Right now, though, Vancouver police have launched an investigation into a heart-stopping video shot on the roof of a Vancouver high-rise and posted online. Police say the man in the video isn't just risking his own life, but the lives and safety of others, too. The footage is heart-stopping and death-defying. That daredevil barely catching his footing, some 42 stories above the streets of downtown Vancouver. Oh my God. Now the video posted on social media for the world to see has captured the attention of local authorities. That behavior is irresponsible, it's dangerous, it's got very little consideration for those around them, including the people on the ground. Vancouver police now investigating the act posted to Instagram by a videographer who's no stranger to the sights and heights of this province. And while they may not be necessarily criminal in and of themselves, stunts like this oh can result in a variety of charges. That could be break and enter. There could be a mischief charge. If they throw something down, uh, someone could get hurt below. It is possible to gain access to the rooftop of this building. There's a patio space and a pool. But building management says the men in that video who don't live in this building likely snuck in behind residents, somehow making their way all the way up there. Right there. Exactly how they did is still a mystery, though it's believed access was gained through a staircase behind one of these doors, some 140 meters above ground. Which is where we found another photographer also taking in the stunning skyline, but playing by the rules. It seems pretty reckless, and you can get that shot by doing other things as well. You don't need to slide down a building for that. Advice police say social media stars would be wise to heed in a landscape filled with temptation. We've gotten calls from people parachuting off of cranes downtown, people up in the Lionsgate Bridge. Some now finding themselves in hot water for living on the edge. Sarah McDonald, Global News, Vancouver. A battle royale has erupted in White Rock over a new development. The 12-story tower was approved by the former council, but has been put on hold by the new council. Opponents say the building is too high and they want it reduced to six stories. But critics are warning that the city's reputation as a place to do business could suffer a crippling blow if that happens. John Waugh reports. You're talking bull****. Tensions are rising in White Rock. You're not going to get your 12 stories. Shouting contests breaking out on the street corner. All because plans for a few residential high-rises are now up in the air. We're against all of this stuff. 12, 12 stories here, we don't have the services to cover it. He's went through the process. Uh, he got the approval, and I just don't think it's fair. Developer GSR Capital Group says it's been working on the Lady Alexandra Tower for four years and saw a development permit from the previous council as a green light for the project. Banks lend money at that stage, and you pre-sell units at that stage, and you negotiate the end of your leases with your current tenants at that stage. But a newly elected council decided to review possible changes to its official community plan potentially bringing development heights in the area from 12 stories down to six. It's a really big deal uh, to change uh, the game uh, when you're sort of already into overtime. Now, the developer could have avoided all of this if it had gotten a building permit, but say they delayed the process to redesign the building to reflect public input. By doing so, they say the city is now using that loophole to act in bad faith. The mayor calls it their legal right. I'm sorry if it inconveniences you, but we do have a number of people, including the residents of White Rock, that would like to have some say in what it looks like. The mayor insists this isn't a fight against density, 
and wants to wait until all voices are heard at a public hearing on Monday. How does it fit in with the look of the neighborhood and, and what is it, what is the impact going to be as we go forward? Now you're telling the TV. As tempers continue to flare over what many call an unprecedented move, developers are preparing to take this fight to court. John Hua, Global News. Ottawa is putting more money into trying to preserve the dwindling population of southern resident killer whales. We know that one of the main reasons the whales are endangered is the lack of their primary food source, Chinook salmon. The federal fisheries minister is committing a million dollars over five years to fund UBC research to better understand why the whales aren't getting enough food. With this new funding, we're going to go two steps further into the future. We will use drones, underwater cameras, and cell phone technologies to track the fine-scale movements of individual killer whales to determine whether they are successfully capturing the fish we can see with our, our advanced fish finders. But critics are questioning the government's wisdom in allowing a fishery on the Chinook salmon's main source of food, herring. They say herring populations have been decimated by overfishing, and the upcoming fishery off Hornby Island is the only one still being allowed on the Pacific coast. Incredible surveillance video from the Palm Springs aerial tramway shows the flash flooding that damaged the attraction, forcing it to close for more than a month. The storm wreaked havoc across southern Florida, damaging roads and washing out power lines. The closure will cost the tramway nearly $3 million in lost revenue on top of the repair costs. It's scheduled to reopen April 1st. Too late for spring breakers heading down there. Well, the days appear to be numbered for the once mighty Islamic State. Tonight, with the last small ISIS stronghold in Syria surrounded and under siege. But as NBC's Richard Engel reports, even in the face of defeat and capture, some of the ISIS faithful are vowing their fight will never end. A glimpse today of what's left of the ISIS caliphate, a squalid tent city where the black banner still flies. A Kurdish commander took us to a hill overlooking the last piece of the Islamic State. We can see them moving around, lots of them on their motorcycles. Men, why aren't you attacking? He said the militants have hundreds of their wives and children still with them, and the Kurds don't want to make them martyrs. But without water or food, even some of the terror group's diehards are surrendering. The men all told us they were just cooks and cleaners. No one says they're a fighter. No one. But the women didn't hold back. When I approached a group being driven off to a camp, they got enraged through water and bottles at us, the hated infidels. Even children flashed the ISIS symbol, a single finger. Is it over? ISIS finished? No, never, she said, and threatened. Next, it will come to your land. ISIS, the state, is being defeated, but not the ideology. More big legal trouble tonight for actor Jussie Smollett. The 26-year-old Empire star has been indicted by a Chicago grand jury on 16 felony counts for allegedly lying to police about being the victim of a racist and homophobic hate crime. Police allege Smollett paid two men to stage the attack against him. The actor has already been charged with disorderly conduct, and he denies the allegations. The first big test flight aimed at once again sending humans into space from American soil has come to an end. 
Now NASA will study the results to see if it's a success. The Dragon capsule splashed down off the coast of Florida Friday morning after successfully separating from the International Space Station and plummeting to Earth. Scientists will now study the high-tech dummy named Ripley that went along for the ride to make sure human astronauts would have made the trip safely. If so, a test with living astronauts could happen as early as this summer. All right, in health matters tonight, Green Shirt Day is coming up next month, the new day dedicated to promoting organ donation awareness while honoring Humboldt Bronco Logan Boulay. And tonight, Logan's family will be the guests of honor at the Kidney Foundation Gala in Vancouver. And that is where my partner Sophie Louie is tonight, who will be emceeing the event. Sophie, good to see you. And shortly before Logan lost his life, a lot of people may remember uh, in that tragic bus crash. He made his wishes about organ donation known to his family, and you had a chance to speak with them tonight. I did, yeah. I had a, a, a nice chat with the Boulets, Bernadine and Toby, uh, Logan's parents. And they're here, as you mentioned, Chris, as special guests of the Kidney Gala. They'll be keynote speakers here once the gala gets underway. And they've been doing these talks across the country, Chris, to help raise awareness about organ donation. As you mentioned, of course, their son, Logan, lost his life tragically in the Humboldt Broncos bus crash almost a year ago, but he was able to donate his organs, several of his organs, and he had just turned 21 just before he died, and he signed his organ donation card, or he basically signed up to be an organ donor on his very birthday. All I could think of was, well, could we donate organs? Because it was a way that um, Someone else's life could be made better. Um, someone's life could improve. And Logan was young. He was fit. He was strong. Yes. And it was he registered to organ donor. I said, I don't know. And also McLaren goes, oh, he signed his donor card. And we all just looked at him like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And he, then he told that, well, on his 21st birthday, blah, 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 blah. We talked to him well, a couple of days before his birthday. And he signed his birthday, and he just was all jacked up. And we're like, and the nurses said, well, he told you? He signed his donor card, he told McLaren, let's go. So McLaren uh, was a, a friend, um, he was uh, Logan's uh, hockey family uh, in Humboldt, and, and McLaren knew that Logan had signed that donor card. His parents, Logan's parents, didn't know he'd signed the donor card, but they knew that their son wanted to donate his organs. So that's really the message that the Boulets want to get across to people, that you need to have those conversations with your loved ones about what your intentions are. They want to share their son's story, they want to raise more awareness, and of course, Chris, as you mentioned, Green Shirt Day, it all culminates on April 7th when they'll really be honoring their son. It'll be a year since he died and they really want Canadians to uh, mark that day by signing up to be organ donors as well. So we'll hear from them tonight at the Kidney Gallagher's. They have an incredible story to tell and we're so thankful that they're here to share their story with us. Well, Chris? and have a lovely time tonight. Uh, it's great, Sophie, to get that message out and hopefully it inspires a lot of people to do the same thing that Logan did. Have a great time. Thank you. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. 
As we celebrate International Women's Day, we're also marking a first in Canada. The launch of Iskoyo Air, an airline founded and owned by an indigenous woman. As Nadia Stewart reports, it's just one example of a growing number of industries where women are leading the charge for change, hoping to inspire generations to come. Everything about Esquayo Air is a celebration of womanhood, from its trailblazing founder and CEO to its name. Esquayo is a Cree word for woman. I chose it very mindfully as an act of reclamation, reclamation of womanhood, reclamation of matriarchal leadership, and reclamation of language. Esquayo Air CEO Tira Fraser's story is one of inspiration. Her new airline, a single plane operation, will connect passengers from YVR to select destinations in support of Indigenous tourism. To survive. She's also hoping to connect Indigenous youth to the aviation industry, where underrepresentation at all levels is still a big problem. Systems that are not created by us aren't created for us. The number of women pilots um, has been relatively unchanged, uh, in, in my opinion, for, for, for years. It isn't just the airline industry that's looking to boost its number of female employees. A new initiative from BC's Ministry of Advanced Education and Training now aims to build a better work environment for women by introducing a builder's code, a code of conduct for construction sites and tools to help companies attract and retain female workers. The goal is to boost the number of women in construction trades in BC from less than 5% to 10% by 2028. But as Governor General Julie Payette points out, retention means everyone, men and women, need to do more to ensure women have access to those equal opportunities, regardless of what their dream job is. Because we're all in this together. Because it comes from very early on, not discouraging our young people to be whoever they want to be. We're lucky we're in the right place to do that. Nadia Stork, Global News. Well, there are many ways to get up a mountain to find virgin powder, but we're betting you've never tried this one. Could it inspire a new kind of ski industry in B.C.? We'll find out. That's right after weather. Let's check in with Christy right now. And uh, looking forward to some sunshine and more spring-like weather, hopefully down the road here, Christy. Yes, it's not a hope. It is a certainty. Eventually, we will see spring. Uh, no, I've got some nice little breaks for you. I will show you that in a second. First, though, I want to say happy International Women's Day to all you women and young women out there. There is no limit to what we can change and accomplish very proud to be a woman. All right, all the action south of the border right now. They, the sails are getting certainly a little bit lighter, but across our region, much better. You saw the sunset that I showed you earlier, and I'll show you again. But it was incredible. Last two days, look at this pile of snow from Westwood Plateau. So we do hope that a lot of that snow will melt, but we're not quite making our way up to seasonal just yet. The skies have cleared, and we'll see that sunshine through the next two days. But this is average. Saturday, Sunday, this is using air, the airport as an example, eight, nine degrees. So we won't quite, but it looks like by the end of next week, we may climb our way back to near seasonal values. So these were our highs for today. We always see a range in temperature across the region. Tomorrow and especially Sunday, I'm expecting eight degrees near the water. And for those of you inland, 10, maybe 11 degrees, it'll feel quite balmy, I'll tell you that. Across the north, though, you're continuing with the same pattern, although the temperatures have come up a little bit. Not quite near seasonal. Sunshine, though, for you. Across the south, still some cloud cover. Three degrees, for example, in Kelowna. 
but a slight chance of flurry in through the morning period, and then that will clear out. South Coast, there's your sunshine and 8 degrees for your Saturday. We're hoping for a little bit more warmth on Sunday, but near the water will likely still be 8 degrees. Keep in mind, with the clear skies, we cool off at night, so still down to minus 1 overnight. Rain Monday, Tuesday, but it looks like we're back to sunshine on Wednesday, and I'll leave you with a great shot. Uh, This is actually a regional park that's just northeast of Coquitlam. They had a massive dump of snow, just like the Westwood Plateau area, but then the sun came out today. Man, that's so pretty. Thank you, Christy. And awesome tribute to women on Women International <laughs> Women's Day, too. Very cool. And uh, salute to all the women in my life. Great women. Well, if you're a skier or a boarder, prepare to be very envious. <laughs> Looks so good. A group of skiers and boarders in Austria celebrate the end of a spectacular run that started in an even more spectacular way. They took extreme powder skiing to a new level by flying up in a zeppelin to the top of Kleiner Valkilitel Mountain in the Alps. As if that wasn't enough, they rappelled from the blimp to the snow below before waving their pilot off and heading down from the 7,000-foot peak. It took them two years to prepare for this once-in-a-lifetime experience. And here's hoping maybe some BC heli-skiing companies are Googling blimps for sale. (laughs) and getting it started up here. Just before we bring Squire in for sports, it's loud, it's proud, it's adrenaline-charged family fun. Monster Jam is underway this weekend at the Pacific Coliseum, and that's where our Jay Durant is tonight. Jay, this is going to be a great weekend for people who love those monster trucks. Yeah, Chris, the first of three exciting nights at the Coliseum for Monster Jam here, an incredibly talented field. Only one Canadian, though, Cam McQueen from Kelowna, He's going to have the fans behind him, obviously. This is what he's going to be driving. Northern Nightmare, hard to miss, covered with the Canadian Maple Leaf. Now, Cam is a former world champ, 2012, and set history on the Monster Jam circuit in 2010, the first to land a backflip in competition. I asked him if he's going to try that again tonight. He says he doesn't like to reveal his secrets. He's going to keep it a surprise. So uh, we'll see tonight if he does pull that off at Monster Jam. But the first of three exciting shows here at the Coliseum tonight at 7, tomorrow at 7, and then Sunday at 1 o'clock. It's going to be a great weekend here at the Coliseum. Chris, we'll send it back to you. All right, no doubt it will be. Thanks very much, Jay. Enjoy it if you're going. Here's Squire now with sports. All right. Uh, we'll start with the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Um, that loss to Edmonton last night, the 3-2 loss, uh, has left Vancouver nine points behind Minnesota, which has the final wild card spot. Now, I'm not thinking the Canucks have a realistic chance to make the playoffs, but mathematically, they do. There are 14 games left, and 10 of those are at home, including tomorrow against Vegas. Only seven of the final 14 games are against teams that are currently in a playoff spot. But... There's just so much ground to make up, and there's teams between the Canucks and that wildcard position. And some of Vancouver's key guys are struggling. Elias Pettersson, for example, one goal in his last 13 games. The kids hit a wall. He's not used to playing this many games in one season with all that travel. Not a surprise. That usually takes a year to fully get used to. Now, Minnesota last night shut out Tampa. Tonight, they're in Florida where there are no fans. Miami never has anybody there to talk about should you move this team or that team. There's a team that should move to Quebec City. Anyway, Mackenzie Weger with the goal there, actually second of the period. That made it 3-0. Mike Hoffman scoring here. Florida beat Minnesota 6-2, so that's good news for the Canucks and everybody trying to get back in that playoff race. Okay, while teams put the final touches on their strategy for the weekend, fans are putting their final touches 
on costumes for the weekend. It's where world-class sports meets Halloween in March at the Rugby Sevens at BC Place. Starts tomorrow, first game beginning just after 9 in the morning when England plays Scotland. The overall points leader coming into this event is the United States, who won last week in Vegas. Canada is in a tough group. They have Samoa, who was in the final against the U.S., and Fiji, one of the best teams in the world. So here's Canada's schedule tomorrow. 10.58 a.m., they run out on the field with Samoa. Then they get a couple of hours to prepare for Fiji at 2.08. And the Fijians, always a great crowd oh, yeah. for the Fijians. And uh, then Kenya at 5.40 against Canada. And, of course, they'll have games on Sunday as well. To the Arnold Palmer in Florida. We mentioned Merritt's Roger Sloan. This is about 56 feet away. And if you can't hit it close, just... And that's a bird. And he's uh, in the mix, very much so, at five under par. The leaders are at nine under. Tommy Fleetwood, second shot in the par five. This is about a 277-yard fairway wood or metal. Knocks it inside seven feet. He would make the eagle putt. His second eagle of the round. So he is tied right now at minus nine with Keegan Bradley. We mentioned uh, Roger Sloan at minus five. Adam Hadwin made the cut just at plus one. The BC Boys 4A basketball tournament is down to a quartet. Final four starts tonight in Langley, uh, Burnaby South, Lords Tweedsmere, who uh, shocked Holy Cross in the quarterfinals last night, Terry Fox and Kelowna. It's been quite a year in boys basketball, but the most memorable moments will not be from the championship tournament. They're actually from a day in February when two players put on an unbelievable display of scoring. Diego Mafia plays his high school basketball at Oak Bay in Victoria. Tanner Barkley is at the other end of the province in Sparwood. But the two sharpshooters combined for one of the greatest and most bizarre days in BC high school basketball back on February 9th. On that day, Barkley scored 83 points, breaking the 27-year-old provincial single-game record of 82. But literally, hours later, Diego Mafia scored 94 points to break the record again. Yeah, it was crazy. The coach sent the link after the game, and I seen that he scored 94 or whatever. I thought it was crazy. Mafia actually could have got 100 or more, but he was taken out of the game for the last few minutes. It also helped he was playing at a tournament in Edmonton against an Alberta school that had no idea how dangerous a player he was. I think that was the one game that I didn't either get doubled or boxing one because every other game teams like no and like they expect like bigger things. Obviously both of these guys can shoot the lights out and once it was apparent both were doing something special, their teammates just kept feeding them the ball. It was a day that everyone involved will never forget. It was a pretty cool experience for not just him but I guess the, the whole team to kind of be a part of because everyone was helping it out. Getting the game ball from the whole tournament, I think that was pretty special and seeing getting like a standing like ovation and getting like so much noise, it was, it was pretty humbling. Mafia's high school career ends this weekend. He's got offers to mull from UVic, UBC and Calgary and even some from south of the border as he moves into university basketball. Barkley has one more year left and could be moving to Kamloops where he will get much tougher competition to improve his game and another chance to maybe break that record that he held for a few minutes. Very Delay, Global Sports. Here's your snow report for tonight. Just like Coquitlam was the lucky one today, Grouse Mountain was also the lucky one. 12 centimeters of fresh snow. Whistler Blackcomb just one, Cypress seven, and Sasquatch one. 
Revelstoke also picked up six centimeters of fresh snow, seven for Fernie, Manning Park five, and same for Whitewater. Big White has 10 centimeters of fresh powder, Silver Star two, Kicking Horse five centimeters, and Mount Washington one. Coming up on ET Canada, why Captain Marvel just had to hit theaters on International Women's Day, plus Avril Lavigne's previews her most powerful and most personal music yet. It's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris. All right. Thanks very much, Sangeeta. And here we go. Let's end the week on a high All note. right. Uh, so, in Pamplona, mm-hmm. they have the running of the bulls, right. Right. which seems very dangerous. Mm-hmm. How dangerous would it seem if it was the running of the bulldogs? <laughs> Let's begin. The running of the bulldogs? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much money Aaliyah saved by switching to Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Okay, so here's, uh, speaking of romantic, this first one I'm going to show in this segment is romantic. It's from Babbel, which teaches you how to speak a different language, and the other one's from Yorkshire Tea. Here we go. Tous les jours, le métro passe au-dessus du café. Pauline regarde trembler les verres. C'est comme s'il dansait. Moi aussi, j'aime les petites choses que personne d'autre ne remarque. Oh, we was meeting the farmers in Kenya. Let me just check if he's back. Just popping you on hold. Thanks for holding. Putting you through. Yorkshire Tea, where everything's done proper. Good morning, Yorkshire Tea. Good to see the Kaiser <laughs> Chiefs there. Uh, okay, so the last two, one is uh, for Cravendale, which is milk and features cats. And this one has penguins and a whale about taking the bus. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. 
smarter to travel in groups. Take the bus. Why do cats stare when you're pouring milk? It's like they know it's only a matter of time. Time. The only thing between them and opposable thumbs. Imagine that. Cats with thumbs. And what if they got together? Gangs of cats with thumbs. An organized army with one thing on their mind. Cravendale. Well, jog on, kitties. <laughs> Very strange. Cats with opposable thumb. Yeah. It's a bit freaky. Just imagine. Staring you down. Okay, no, those poor people at Westwood Plateau can put the shovels away at least for a couple days. Yeah, I'm hoping that the sun over the next two days will at least help melt some of that snow, but temperatures at night will be below freezing, so we won't mm. see as much melt as you may like to see. Maybe the rain will help on Monday. Yeah, maybe it will, right? Yeah. Maybe. Oh, you had snow with a little question mark on the bottom. Oh, right. Thanks for pointing that out. Yes. So there is a question mark as that night temperatures will be cold enough. So we'll be watching that Monday night. Good luck to all the teams, especially Canada, participating in Sevens Rugby this weekend. Have fun.